0: So this morning, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, our guest speaker. He doesn't attend here. Usually we have an elder uh, preach when Dan's gone, and all of us elders are just a little, frankly, overwhelmed right now. And we're like, if there's a way we didn't have to do it, that would be great. And so uh, so Dan was looking for somebody, and uh, Nathan Cookston is going to be sharing this morning. Nathan is a good friend of mine. Our kids are best of friends, um, have been friends since the womb, literally. So... Um, so there's two reasons I'm happy Nathan's here this morning one he he loves God's word he loves God's church uh, and, and he's passionate about jesus and uh, so I'm excited for that reason The second reason is that at ten o'clock last night he texted me and said he had a fever and I would be here doing this if he didn't get well <laughs> but he's here and he's well and so uh, i'm I'm thankful for that reason as well so um, but uh, yeah when Nathan's here just um, do what you always do and just listen well and, and, uh, and listen to what God has to say to us this morning, okay? So,
1: All right, family, I am really sorry, but I have hard time standing up there behind a podium. It's my background, and so I ask Brian, I'm like, Brian, can I please speak from the floor with a music stand? And he goes, that's a little extreme, but I think we can do it, so I'm going to do it. And it, and it goes back for me a long ways. Um, I had the pleasure of serving alongside that um, brilliant middle-aged man. Uh, at Smoky Point Community Church, I was the, I was the junior high pastor there. Um, served there for almost seven years uh, until God was really clear about, you need to focus on your family, and you need to step away from the ministry for a while because it had overcome my passions, my desires, it replaced my... My focus and my love of Christ and my family for something different, um, and so I did that, and uh, and I was so used to I just for preaching. When you preach to junior hires like this, you got a music stand, you move around, you engage people, and so that's where that's where I'm gonna be coming from uh, with you guys today. Dylan, actually, for many of you may or may not know, was one of my junior hires. Um, amen to that, right? Whoo! God's like, I'm going to protect this one, <laughs> and uh, and it is such a joy. I, you, family, it is amazing. I come, even though I attend Smoky Point, I come here, I sneak in, and I was here for Dylan's first worship uh, service and everything, and what a joy to see God do something in a young man's life, right? Just, just, it's awesome. Um. And, uh, and it's also fun at Smoky Point to see God do some amazing things and Justin Goheen uh, also was part of the ministry at Smoky Point uh, is serving as the junior high pastor there which is pretty phenomenal uh, we're going to talk about a little bit um, the power of the gospel in people's lives and we're going to look in two areas the idea of what real blindness is and what real healing is and uh, when Dan called me up and said, hey, Nathan, would you be willing to come along? Me and Dylan are heading out east, and we're going to go to a conference, and would you be willing to come and just preach to the family and, and share some of God's word? I said, absolutely, would love to do that. I said, okay, so where are you at? What, what are you going through? Uh, and he said, no, you just, you preach on what you want to preach on. You preach on what you feel would be uh, a good word. And I said, can I preach, I can preach on anything. He goes, absolutely. So then, this is what happens for preachers. What are our favorite passages? That's, I, I'm just going to tell you right now. It's like, okay, um, let's see. Okay, so 1 Peter's my favorite book of the Bible. You're allowed to have favorites, just so you know. 1 Peter's my favorite book of the Bible. Do I go to 1 Peter? No, no, not 1 Peter. If I was stranded on a deserted island and had one chapter to read from for the rest of my life, Isaiah 40. No, not Isaiah 40. And then I thought about. Mark 10. And I thought about this idea of Jesus healing the blind man Bartimaeus. And then I listened to Dylan's message and he like stole all my thunder. Because <laughs> if you recall, Dylan last week shared a story about the power and then the death of sin. How many of you were there last, this last week, right? Yep. And he shared on this and he, he painted this beautiful, sad true, life-giving message around the impact of sin and the fact that we are no longer uh, slaves to it through Christ. And I'm like, well, that's exactly what I would preach in Mark. And then I realized, well, hello, everybody. That's the story of this entire book of the Bible. You know, this is the Bible. is the story of people being blind, people being completely engrossed in, enraptured, I've even said, in sin. And being freed. Going from extreme bondage, not like, oh, I feel like being in bondage one day a week, but like bondage every single day, every single hour, every single minute, every single second, to sin, having no power over it, and then this ridiculous injection of God into the world through His Son Jesus Christ as a baby, and just radically changing the existence of man for eternity. So I said, I'm doing it, I'm doing Mark 10 because it may sound like similar to the same thing as last week, but I don't care. So, <coughs> if you're tempted to turn to Mark 10, um, you can, but we're not going to get there probably till about halfway through this message. Uh, so, um, just to let you know that. But we will get there. Please trust me. Pastors love to... Um, and you'll hear about this. I think Dylan did it last week too. He talked about context. Talked about the importance of understanding the biblical context of a passage. And, and, and I think for ourselves, before we jump into Mark 10 and the idea of uh, blindness in this man Bartimaeus and spiritual and physical blindness, uh, I'd want to say, okay, so let's not just look at Mark 10. Let's go to Mark 9. And then, oh, no, 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 let's not go to Mark 9, let's go to the first book, of Mar- you know, first chapter of Mark. No, 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 really, to get the context of Mark, we need to read the Gospels. No, 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 to read the, read the Gospels, we need to go back to the Old Testament. And then at some point, I would expect, I've always wanted to do this, to be able to say, uh, to get context of our passage today, turn with me to Genesis 1. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> like, the Bible is the context for what we're going to be talking about. And for that reason, we're going to be digging into a number of scriptures. And you may ask, well, I don't have them up here. You won't have them up here, because what I want us to do is to kind of fluidly move through the Old Testament and into the New Testament at a semi-rapid pace. And so I'm going to give us some, um, I'm going to give us the references, feel free to mark them down if you want to read them later, and then I'm going to read them all for us. And we're going to journey together as a family through God's word. Um, but you won't have them up on the back screen. I apologize for those of you that are used to having that. Um, I would recommend bringing your Bible next time. Okay. <laughs> do you. Um, oh, Brian's like careful. Um, do you. Do, okay, now keep moving. Um, blindness. What is real blindness? How would you define blindness, my dear? What is blindness to you? Um, something right you not being oh, that's good. Like, not being able to see. It's, it's like, this is my hand, but I can't see it. Yep. Brilliantly simple is, it's just the inability to perceive. We can be blind to a lot of things. It doesn't necessarily have to be sight, right? Um, I can be having a weekend where I'm choosing to play video games rather than mow the lawn. And I might be blind to the fact that my wife would rather I was out mowing the, the, you know, right? So I'm not perceiving her dissatisfaction with my choices as a husband, right? That's blindness. I might be blind to the fact that, you know, I don't see, like, how I look or how I present myself. The fact that I should have worn plaid today, Brian, I'm seeing plaid. I'm seeing a lot of plaid, so I should have worn plaid. Right blindness, the inability to perceive, to see, and here's what I would say: it's the theme that God uses throughout His Word for the lost and those separated from Him. It is a it is a focused, intentional um, illustration or or description of God for us without Jesus. It's the Im- imagery that he chooses to illustrate also the work of salvation on our souls. We're not talking just about, like, vision impairment, the need for glasses. We're talking about true blindness, complete blindness, not mostly blind. My sister, Rachel, um, super cute, absolutely love her. Uh, she is adopted from India, Calcutta, India, and um, we adopted her when she was four months old, and, and as she grew, and she walked around, and there was a little concern. We thought there might be something wrong with her eyesight because, um, quite frankly, she walked into walls. Like, literally walked into walls. Like, this door right here, she'd be walking. We'd see this cute little, just beautiful little Indian girl. Boop! And she's aiming for this, you know. And we are like, okay. That was extreme visual impairment. She's legally blind. She's got, now she's got uh, stuff to make it so that she can see and everything. We're not even talking about that. We're talking about complete and utter blindness. The darkness of our blindness is that in most cases, I would say, we're completely unaware of the depth of it. This is why we need Christ I would say we spend a lot of our lives actually adapting to trying to make our blindness better in our own strength. And you know what's scary is a lot of times it can seem like it's working well. Uh, I work for Boeing. Uh, I'm in uh, business operations. I have the pleasure of making sure that our production system works fluidly as often as possible. And uh, I had the pleasure going and meeting and seeing this amazing um, Um, parts distributor that they supply Boeing with aerospace parts, phenomenal. This place has 99.9 plus percent first pass quality in specifications in all parts, aerospace parts sent to Boeing. They've been supplier of the year on a couple occasions. They're one of our top tier quality suppliers of parts. Many of the airplanes you've flown on have their parts on them. They also contract with the government uh, in providing um, parts and tools for the men and women that serve and protect this great country and help keep them alive. The amazing thing about this contractor is that it is run 98% by people that are blind or deaf and blind. Lighthouse of the Blind, it's a manufacturing subsidiary in Seattle, Washington. Let me tell you what I went there as you know, a non-impaired person, and I stood as a deaf and blind man stood in front of a CNC machine, which, if you know what that is, it's a huge drill that um, carves out with a water jet, carves out all the parts uh, for aerospace, and as this deaf and blind man spoke to, felt the terminal. And then the the machine, the blind man, also deaf, then opens up um, the, the, there's a guard for the CNC, goes in, starts feeling and touching, moving some of the pieces and everything, close the door, goes back, then it opens. Then he pulls out the aerospace piece, puts it on a table, grabs a set of calipers, then starts measuring to the three thousandths of an inch tolerances on this aerospace piece, gets the past quality on it, and then sends it off to the next person. (laughs) I was, I mean, blown away. Talk about a person that has overcome an issue of blindness and not being able to communicate well. It's a crazy thing. I feel like that is, in a case, our own lives so often. Overcoming blindness in a way that we feel like, yeah, I'm relatively good. This spiritual blindness, it doesn't have much on me. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6 says this. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. There is no self-help cure for our blindness. Putting glasses on a blind person does not make them a better blind person. Matter of fact, it seems kind of silly. Can you imagine that line? May I borrow your glasses, sir? It's like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, you can't see? Oh, let me help you with that. And he's still blind, right? Like, we get that. But you know what? The crazy thing is we act like this so often. I act like this. I go about my day pretending that that the sin in my life doesn't actually blind me. It just kind of keeps me from doing better things. We devote ourselves to acting like we're not blind or at least to work like we could see. Part of being created in the image of God is that we're self-aware, that we're self-conscious. We have this thing in us that tells us "Ah, this just isn't right. And instead of going to Jesus, instead of seeking the gospel, what ends up happening is we we look within ourselves and we attempt to fix things on our own. And I think this is why God is so adamant in the Old Testament to talk about blindness as who we really are. And here's the thing. He doesn't just say, oh, you're blind, it's terrible, move on. He pushes, God pushes in the Old Testament this idea of blindness to be all-encompassing, to be, to be, to be completely interwoven into who we are. So let's look at this. We're going to read a chunk of Scripture... But I want us to see God being very intentional. There's no, God did not go in his word. This is what I love about God's word. He did not just go, you know what? It's between like Isaiah and uh, Morishnii. Which, uh, which book do I want to get in here? Uh, you know, flip a coin. No, he's intentional. Every, every book in God's word, every chapter, every verse, every word is there for a reason. So I don't think it's unintentional that God says in Psalm 146, 146, 5 through 8, he says this, "'Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, "'whose hope is the Lord his God, "'who made heaven and earth, the seas and all that's in them, "'who keeps faith forever, "'who executes justice for the oppressed.'" Listen to this. "'Who gives food to the hungry, "'the Lord sets the prisoners free, "'the Lord opens the eyes of the blind.'" The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. You're not going to become unblind without God. There's two things in here that I see. One, we're blind. Two, we need God. Isaiah 6 through 8 through 10. 6, Isaiah 6, 8 through 10 says this. It might be familiar, the beginning part for many of you. It says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go and say to this people, ooh, this is a rough part of the passage. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. This is the beginning of a long stretch of passages of condemnation for the sins that Israel continued to live in and re- in rejecting their God. Isaiah 35, 3 through 10, says this Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap. Do you get it? Do you see? Are you seeing in the Old Testament how God attributes our separation from Him, our struggle with our own selves, this blindness, our inability to reach God? Isaiah 43, 8 says this Bring out the people who are blind yet have eyes, who are deaf yet have ears. Let's keep going. God's proven a point. Isaiah 42, 6 through 7. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you, be the hand, and watch over you. I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. Just in case in Isaiah 42 you didn't get the point, he goes on in verse 16, he says, I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know, in paths that they have not known. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. 42 again. 42.18, 42.18, hear you deaf and look you blind that you may see. It's pretty clear from God's word that we have some blindness, that all of us have some blindness. It's also pretty clear that as we looked at these passages, God's the only solution, God's the only way to have this blindness removed. You know what though? God's God's word is so it the imagery in God's word is so it, a blind person not being able to see. I can read those passages and in many times I've read those passages and been like, "Okay. Okay, we're blind. Great. The last time I checked, I'm able to wake up, I'm able to live my life, I'm able to love my wife. I'm a relatively good dad people at work seem to think I'm doing a good job. This blindness can't be that bad. I got one more passage for you. For now. Isaiah 59. This, family, this is what I call a woe passage in God's word. When you read, you're like, Whoa. Isaiah 59, 1 through 13. I'm going to read this in its entirety. Um, Brian knows this. We would do this. We would sit in each other's offices and we'd be talking about God's word. It would happen, and we'd be like, "Did you, did you just read this? Is this not amazing?" We should be coming to God's word that way. We should be coming to God's word. It's tough. I get sometimes. I do too. It's like. Sometimes I'm on my way to work, it's early in the morning, and I push my audio Bible and I just listen to it as I'm driving. I'm like, well, at least a little Jesus is, you know, is, is all right, it's good. But there's nothing for, like, sitting down, reading, digging in, and, and seeing some pretty amazing descriptive truth. And we find that in Isaiah 59, 1 through 13. I'm going to read this whole thing. And tell me if you see God's imagery for blindness. Tell me if you see not only the imagery for blindness, but the all-encompassing, exhaustive destruction that God attributes to it. And it says this, evil and oppression behold. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it can't hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Hands defiled with blood and fingers with iniquity. Have you guys ever seen, like this is, God's not going, oh yeah, you know, iniquity is a bad thing. How many of you have seen a picture of a surgeon that just pulled his hands out of the cavity of a person? Right? Yeah. Blood dripping like what God but that's what he's saying here your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity your lips have spoken lies your tongues mutter wickedness muttering wickedness God you're good I love your words no one enters suit justly no one goes to law honestly they rely on empty pleas they speak lies they conceive mischief and give birth to iniquity. People don't just fly over God's word. They conceive mischief and give birth to iniquity. You ever seen someone give birth? I have. <laughs> Brian no? Okay. <laughs> it yeah, I don't mean to be graphic, but this is God's word conceive mischief we conceive mischief james talks about it starts out in the passions of one's soul and then it turns into and he conceives death it's like inside and then blah, like an alien coming out of a chest conceives mischief and gives birth to iniquity they hatch what what does it conceive (laughs) they they hatch adder's eggs that's a viper they weave the spider's web. He who eats their eggs dies, and from one that is crushed, a viper's hatch. Their webs will not serve as clothing. Men will not cover themselves with what they make. Their works are works of iniquity, and their deeds of violence are in their hands. They run to evil, and they're quick to shed the blood of innocent men. This is God's word. Does this sound like the picture? I apologize. It was a (laughs) whoo. Yelled that a little too loud. God's painting a picture of iniquity and sin and blindness that, this doesn't sound like surviving. This sounds like destruction. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, desolation and destruction are their highways, the way of peace they do not know, and there is no justice in their paths. They have made their roads crooked, no one treads on them, knows peace. Therefore, justice is far from us. The righteous do not overtake us, we hope for light and behold darkness. Listen to this, family. And from brightness, but we walk in gloom, we grope for the wall like blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. Among those in full vigor, we're like dead men. We all growl like bears. We moan and moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it's far from us. Our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. I imagine... Me standing before the Lord and my sins like an army around me testifying, Nathan is ugly, Nathan is a sinner. Our transgressions are with us and we know our iniquities, transgressing and denying the Lord and turning back from following our guard. God speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart lying words. And we're done. Isaiah 59 paints an amazing picture of sin. Isaiah 59 paints an amazing picture of iniquity and the blindness that is true about us outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pretty intense picture of a blind heart if you ask me. Here's the funny thing, well, sad thing, is that this isn't a picture of like the worst sinner or the murderer Or that person, we're like, I really don't think they have a chance. It's a picture of all of us. We're going to get there. We're getting to Matthew, so there's, (sighs) we're close. We're a book before the book we're going to end in. Matthew 23, just in case you thought, well, that's Old Testament, you know, poetic language about people before Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says about the Pharisees the squeaky clean people of his time. Matthew 23, 23 through 26 says this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, that sounds like the start of a good meal, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others, you blind guides. God's hitting it home on this idea of what real blindness looks like straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel straining out a gnat while swallowing a camel people god's word is good i I just love this picture can you imagine you imagine this pharisee god this is what jesus is saying about these pharisees imagine like a big bowl of soup okay I had a fever of over 100 last night. I was not feeling good. I, I really did call Brian. It wasn't April Fool's. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it tomorrow. He's like, you're going to make it. Uh, and 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 so in my head, I'm thinking chicken noodle soup. Think a big bowl of chicken noodle soup. It, you know, you get that rolling boil in it. You know, it starts to move all the vegetables and everything. Imagine this Pharisee. This is what Jesus is talking about. Imagine the Pharisees like, you know, but let's just, you know, we're, t- we're churning this. And then all of a sudden, this little gnat, and the Pharisee's like, oh no, oh, and then the Pharisee's like, trying to, you know, stream, to to get this gnat out of this bowl of soup, straining out this gnat, trying to find it, and at the same time, like, totally being okay with a camel crawling down his mouth, like, I'll take the bad stuff, you know, no biggie, I'm going to focus on this itty-bitty little thing while I should be addressing this massive issue Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and plate, then the outside may be clean. (sighs) Are we getting it, family? Are we getting a feel for the overwhelming blindness and our inability to heal ourselves? Are we getting why God is so focused on it for us as a picture? Are we capturing a complete understanding how blind we really are? If the optic nerve is cut off to an eye, it's blind, it's done. It doesn't help it to put glasses on it. We are that. Our optic nerve, the sin in our lives, has severed our ability to see. But just to help us just to help us here with, with one more illustration for fun. We do a meet and greet here, right? We get up, we talk around, and we're like, Nate, I understand blindness is bad. Okay, get over it. But we need to. God's really, really clear about this. We're going to have a fun little thing. Um, we're going to try to do our little meet and greet together for a very brief amount of time. Here's what I want you to do. You're going to stand up, and you're going to close your eyes. And you're going to try to walk up to somebody, shake their hand, introduce yourself, and greet just real quick. We're going to do this in, as blind people for fun. Ready? Go. Close, close your eyes, walk, walk farther than like next to you. All right. (laughs) Hey, buddy. All right. All right, go ahead and have a seat. (sighs) It's kind of awkward, let's be honest. It's, It's a little awkward. So blindness is an issue, also time. Good news, people. Jesus has a drop-the-mic moment. There is, I love what Jesus does. In the New Testament, he just lays it down and then walks away. And he does it in Luke 4, quoting Isaiah and his fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. In Luke 4, 16 through 21, Jesus says this. And he says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue, this is Jesus, on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll. Please, if you if you take something away, I hope your mind's eye starts to think as you read scripture, you're starting to see something. This happened at some point in time historically. Picture Jesus in a synagogue, being handed a scroll, him then unrolling it. That's what we're reading here. It's pretty simple. And he found a place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See what God's word says. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And all the eyes of the synagogue were on him and began to say to them, today the scripture. And he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled. Boom. Amen. Can you imagine that moment? Pharisee's like, here you go, Jesus, take a scroll. He's like, reads it, closes it, hands it, and goes, today the scripture's been fulfilled. Do you more? Jesus, is a, Jesus is amazing. Jesus says there's only one way to cure bi- blindness. I am he. Now we can jump into Mark 10. Because we got to know how Jesus heals some blind people, right? You can't make yourself see, but only God can. Here's what we're going to do to finish up the message here today. I'm going to read through Mark 10, and, and in a similar fashion, we're going to draw out we're going to draw out the truth of this story and see how Jesus not only physically heals a man, but he spiritually heals a man And that man's response. There's three things in this passage I want us to draw away from. Um, I don't know if Dan does this. I haven't heard him enough, but alliterations are like king. You know, it starts with the same word, and it helps pastors, like, remember the points to their message. And in Mark, you're going to see three things. You're going to see a request, you're going to see a reaction, and you're going to see a response, which will end up giving us a result. Mark 10. Here's the request portion. And they came to Jericho. And if you need to, like, close your eyes and imagine this or whatnot, please do. Like, God's word is written this way for us, especially in the narrative to draw into and, and be a part of. And they came to Jericho, and, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. so we got the request this blind man Jesus son of David have mercy on me but here's the setting he's heading out of a gate in in Jericho the blind man is most likely it's a narrowing passage it says Jesus is traveling with a large crowd don't skip that What does it mean to travel with a large crowd? If this room got up and walked around and there was like an important person, let's put Brian in the middle, was moving around, there'd be like movement and noise, right? Picture with me this. Maybe the ground is somewhat dusty. Maybe it's a summer day. This blind man is sitting down. He has a cloak out in front of him to receive alms from those around him. This crowd is people from Jericho. They most likely know this blind beggar. They've most likely given money to this blind beggar at some point in time. They're moving about and it's this massive crowd moving and noise and the dust is rising. He's sitting in the dust. The dust is probably higher than his head at this point. We don't know whether or not he heard Jesus or someone was talking about Jesus in a crowd of over 100 people, a large crowd of some kind, Jesus might be in the middle, moving, everyone's bouncing around. You ever been at like a a sport, you know, Sounders, or you go to like a concert, you know, and you're like, the movement, the crowd's all moving together, there's noise and everything. Somehow he heard Jesus was in the crowd. And he makes her a simple request, a general plea for understanding. There's a reaction. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent Crowd's reaction to this blind beggar, probably someone they know, is shut up. Don't you know this important man's walking with all of us important people? But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. I find this interesting. He starts with just Jesus, son of David, kind of calling to his lineage, kind of, hey, Jesus, son of David guy, and now he's like, son of David. The importance of the lineage. Have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. Have you ever been walking in a large crowd with a number of people and that important person in the middle stops? And then the whole crowd kind of like resets and tries to figure. This is God's word. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And the very same people that were rebuking this blind beggar before, now all of a sudden they call the blind man, saying to him, Take heart! Get up! He's calling you! Mark is my favorite gospel, and this is one of my favorite chapters, partly because Mark's a lot like me. Mark uses the word immediately over 36 times in his gospel. Matthew only uses it 11 times, John uses it twice, Luke uses it like 12 times. It's 11 times, I think, even in just the first chapter or second chapter. Mark loves to create the sense of movement in his gospel, And he's doing that here with this story. You get the idea, the feel of movement of the crowd. Jesus stopping them now, calling the blind beggar, the blind beggar, listen to this, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Can you imagine a blind man down here? He's got the cloak in front of him. He grabs it, throws it up, and he's blind. He's coming for Jesus in the crowd somewhere. This is God's word telling a story. And Jesus said to him, what do you want to do for me? What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, my master, let me recover my sight. Imagine with me, if you would, this blind man, he finally finds Jesus in the crowd. I have to believe that Jesus had to reach out and touch him. I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're looking for. It's not like Jesus is standing in the crowd going, Hey blind man. (laughs) Right? All I'm doing, guys, is reading Matthew, I mean Mark 10. This is God's word. It was not just it was not just Bartimaeus and Jesus. Large crowd. You know The truth is, is, at some point in time, one of us has been Bartimaeus, and some of us have been the large crowd. We've held people back. We've needed our sight. But we have a reaction. We have a crowd's reaction to Bartimaeus. We have Jesus' reaction to Bartimaeus. We have Bartimaeus' reaction to Jesus. And now we get a response. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. Another way that that can be interpreted from the passage is go your way, your faith has saved you. You see the result for this blind man with Jesus was immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. That's how Mark 10 ends. Mark 10 is not a story about a man simply regaining his sight. It's a picture of the gospel, family. It's a culmination of the truth of our blindness. We see a blind man who knows his need, just like we as sinners need to know our need to be right with God. We see him humbly submitting himself, seeking mercy from Christ, just like we need the gospel and lay our pride down at Christ's feet to recognize our need for him, to make him Lord and Savior of our lives. Family, we need to quit spending our time putting glasses on our blindness. When we see Jesus responding as he always promises to do with this blind man, he also promises to respond this way for us in that who should ever believe in him shall have everlasting life. Amen? We see Jesus reaching out to this man and healing him immediately and what is this blind man's response to do? It's to follow him. Here's the temptation we have. As powerful of a story as Mark 10 is, as powerful a picture of the gospel that the passage is, it's so easy for us to move on from it. Family, the truth of the matter is we never move on from the gospel. We never move on from following the one who gave us sight. Mark 10 gives us the gospel. and We need to not simply move on from it. See, the gospel is not like learning to ride a bike. How many of you parents have uh, taught one of your kids how to ride a bike? Maybe even your parents have taught. Yeah, I have too. And I think the temptation we have is we go, yes, Mark 10, our blindness, true, yes, Jesus, gospel, amen, go. And then Bar- we act like Barnabas, go, yeah, all right, follow, go, and then getting distracted. And we treat the gospel like riding a bike Is I have two sons, I have a son and a daughter, two kids, and how I taught them to ride, like most of us is, you you know, hand, boop, and then they get on, they like fake pedal for a while, and you like, you know, take Advil for your back. <laughs> And, and you're doing this the whole time and, and then you finally get to the point where you're doing the one hand, right? And then, and then they're going and then finally you do the whole let them go and there's that moment for the child of like sheer joy when they're pedaling and they're like, I'm doing it, right? And then there's this sheer panic of, oh no, I'm doing it, you know, and they fall over and you do it again. The gospel in our lives Is not Jesus teaching us to ride, to be obedient, and then letting us go on our own? We need the gospel every morning when we wake up. The motivation to get in the word is the gospel daily. The motivation to serve and to be used by the Holy Spirit is the gospel. The power to be a husband and a father and who God calls me to be daily is the power of the gospel. Family, we never move on from Mark 10. Every day we must respond as the beggar, not because it continues to save us, but because it continues to remind us. Who has the power to make us see? Who gives us the strength to live out a life of obedience? It's Jesus every single day. So I encourage you, family, as I encourage myself, dig into God's word. Let it be alive, not just to know it better, to to read it, to have it memorized, but to know Jesus better, the man who gave us sight, God incarnate, who changed my life from the picture of Isaiah 59 to the picture that we have in Philippians 3, 8 through 10. In 8 it says, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Why? Why? Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I ask you, now that you have sight, it's all about who you fix your sight on. There's gonna be a temptation daily for us to fix our sight, which has been a gift from God on something other than God. I encourage you, as I encourage myself, to fight that temptation There's a great song, Scandal of Grace. Oh, to be like you. Right? Give all I have just to know you. Jesus, there's no one besides you. Forever the hope of my heart. Lord, I pray that we would be people that as a response to our love, not as a response to our love, but as a response to your love, would be fixing our eyes on him daily. See, there's two types of people in this room. This is how we'll finish it up. The Bible's pretty clear and it's very simple. There's two types of people in this room. There's one, there's people that are blind. You may be sitting here today, you may not be at the point of Bartimaeus and that is responding to God's truth and love. You're still sitting on the side of the road trying to take care of things by yourself with having a cloak laid out and alms. And the other type of person, the person that has been Bartimaeus, has jumped up, has responded, has experienced the saving grace of Jesus Christ. My hope for you, if you are blind today, is that as you've seen God's word, and as you've wrestled with it, and you've you've seen the truth of blindness and our need for Jesus, that your heart would be awoken. That you'd that you be like Bartimaeus where you're saying, "Lord, have mercy on me." That you respond by following Him. And if you're in this room and you've, you're like me, you've graciously accepted the gospel, and your desire is to know Jesus more fully and more closely. Don't move beyond the gospel. Don't fall into the temptation that there's something a little. The gospel just gets you started. The gospel is the power in our lives to be able to live our lives out for Jesus, to seek him, to pray to him. And and I'm just really thankful for the fact that we got to to dig into God's word. Hopefully, I also hope in this message that you've seen God's word come alive. Um, You see the power of the intentional pictures and the descriptors and the illustrations in God's word of our blindness and our need for him. That is what this book is about. And, um, and uh, I've just been, I've been blessed to come. I'm Sorry, I'm feeling, my brain's starting to go. I'm feeling kind of scattered. And, and uh, so I'm going to sit down here soon, but why don't we close in a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for your word and your truth. I thank you that you Lord, we're not satisfied with allowing us in your grace and mercy to remain blind. That you intentionally chose to send your son for us on our behalf. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That you didn't ask us to figure out a way to kind of not be blind, to prove ourselves, Lord, but that you just came in and you willfully said, you are blind and you will now see if you trust in me If you give yourself up to me, if you surrender in obedience to me, thank you for the gospel, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help me to to rely on it, not because it saves me daily, but because it reminds me daily, to set my sight on the one who gave me sight in the first place, and that is you. Thank you for your word, Lord, in your name I pray, amen.